Hello, everyone. My name is Phil Calvert, and a very warm welcome to the Financial Advisor Mastermind and Challenge. Throughout this week, advisors, leading experts, and consultants to the financial planning profession are sharing amazing insights into just what makes a world-class financial advice business today. And today, I'm delighted to be speaking with someone who is very well known throughout the financial planning world and comes from the beautiful town of Christchurch in Dorset. He's a chartered financial planner, chartered wealth manager, and a master life planner. I'm delighted to welcome the owner of MFP Wealth Management, Mr. Justin King. How are you, Justin? Very well, Phil. Nice to see you. Excellent. Now, uh, let's go straight for this one, Master Life Planner. I've not heard of that one before. Uh, tell us a bit about what, the, what that is. So um, that's a designation provided by the Kinder Institute, uh, and, and it really comes about once you've gone through all of their training. So all of their modules that they have available from their uh, two-day, seven stages, five-day evoke process, um, uh, then the six-month mentorship, uh, and then a six-day presentation skills course, um, uh, and yeah, and then eventually you, you end up with that. I think I share that title with Tina Weeks. Okay, fantastic. Now, life planning really has, uh, it's interesting you should mention Tina, because um, uh, quite a while ago, certainly when George Kinder um, first set foot on these shores, shall we say, um, a lot of people thought, I'm not sure about this life planning stuff, sounds a bit fluffy. Um, and Tina and I did some workshops on kind of stripping away what people perceived was the fluff um, and took it right down to what life planning is all about. For those, of, um, for those viewers we have today that, that don't really understand what life planning is or not even heard of it perhaps, what would you say was the essence of it? What, what's it really about? I think it's... I think it's trying to um, uncover what a truly fulfilled life would look like. How would that be? Okay. Um, and I think we could all admit there are stages in our lives where we attend to the urgent, but possibly not the important. Um, and the priority list kind of <laughs> it gets hijacked all the time. You know, you can turn up to work one day or, or what have you, and you think you're going to achieve X, Y, and Z. But it depends on actually who shouts the loudest, possibly what actually gets attended to. And it's just bringing it back in someone's life and just saying that if that's the way you operate, if you operate on a daily basis, just dealing with the urgent, that may not be the same as the important. Um, they may be the same thing. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But, but often the most important things that we would love to have achieved in our lives, you know, if we were going to bed tonight and turning out the light, um, you know, who did you not get to be and what did you not get to do? And I want to get the answer to those questions into someone's life plan, into someone's financial life plan. So really, what you're, I think where you're going with this is that the money side of, of things is not necessarily what we're talking about. What we're talking about is what people want in their lives, what they want to achieve, which may require some financial architecture along the way. Yeah, it's interesting that word achieve, you know, Liz, picking up on what you said. Um, it, it may be, achieve is one word, and achieve can sound like hard work. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be hard work. It, it could be, used to be also be, um, what do you want to experience in your life? Um, deep, deep relationships, um, giving, helping, being part of communities experiencing countries in, in, in um, you know, in, in environments. Um, it, it could be all types of things. So I think possibly the right word is, what does what is the experience of your life want to look like? 
So uh, how's, how would you say then uh, a life planning practice, say like yours, how does that differ from maybe a traditional financial planning practice? Well, I suppose we, we definitely do all the traditional stuff. And people mostly, not always, but mostly approach us for the traditional financial planning piece. Okay. But I, I, I always attend to that, and I always reassure clients that are going to attend to that. But before I attend to the, the, the urgent question, you know, is my lifetime allowance going to be breached? If, I, if I've got a tax problem, is the market going to fall? Is the, whatever the question of the day is when they, when they come in to see us. But whilst I will attend to that, I want to also just dig under the surface and just, just, just say to them, look, you know, I understand that we will do all this. And by the way, we will do all that really well. But can I just understand a bit more about you and who you are and what you want to, what you want to experience in your life? And it may be a achievement, but what would a really fulfilled life look like? And then, and then can I then help you strategize your money to achieve that? You know, over here is this amazingly fulfilled life. This is where you currently are. Yeah. Um, and some people say, you know, some people say that life's brilliant. I've got everything, you know, it's really good. I've got a rich family and I, and I'm just by the very nature, possibly of the people that we deal with on a most, on a most basis, they've generally done pretty well. I mean, you know, financial advisors offices. I had a statistic the other day. Um, uh, I was interviewing um, uh, Henry Tapper. I don't know if you know Henry yes, Tapper. Yeah. Um, Henry gave a statistic and I, I don't know, I haven't checked it out, but I think it's very interesting that only 6% of the UK population seek advice. Right. Now, if that, if that is true, let's say that that's possibly quite, you can imagine, actually, it could easily be the same. But that means that 6% of people have got the, uh, or quite possibly have got the wherewithal and the monetary problems um, to be able to afford advice. Yeah, yeah. And then, so the people we're dealing with are often quite, they're quite successful. Um, and I may be just asking them, I can do life planning with all economic means. It's not a problem. To, but often the people we're dealing with in a traditional financial planning sense, have got uh, expensive questions and therefore I'm just saying you know if we sprinkled the magic fairy dust on your life how could we how, how could it be even better yeah that's a nice question you know what is it that could and you know I did this the other day and um, some really good clients being with me forever and a day and I didn't take them through the kind of traditional whole life planning process but I just asked them you know that question of um you know, if you did go to bed tonight, George's last question, if you did go to bed tonight and you didn't wake up the next morning, what did you, what did you not get to do? And more importantly, and this is the key, key question, is who did you not get to be? Yeah. And you shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and, mark of great question asking. And, and, you know, the lady at the part, it was a couple I was dealing with, the lady said, um, Oh, life's great, you know, all the rest of it, you know. And I said, magic fairy dust, how would it be? And she said, you know what? I never learned, I never learned a language. And out popped her husband saying, oh, well, you know, and I said, sorry, I said, what would you, what language would, would, would be great to learn? And she said, oh, I think I'd learn to learn French. And her husband pops up saying, oh, you don't want to do that. You want to do this. Please, no, I ask him to be quiet, you know, just for just to listen for a second. Because this is what we do in conversations, isn't it? You know, yeah. we, you go into any cafe and observe a social environment, everyone's jumping in all the time. And that's, 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 that's lovely as well. You know, people are very, you know, enthusiastic about other people's conversations and their own. Um, but, you know, I said, oh, so why would that be? What would it deliver? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And then I understand that she's already, beginning of January, she's already enrolled on a course. And, and, then, and then it turned out that he, 
he never got to he never got to fly a plane and then he also never got to be the head guy in a corporation he did very well in a corporation but he never got to be the head guy and because he's retired now i said um so what what would that have delivered to you what would it what would that have been like and he said uh he said, well, I could have, you know, encouraged and infused and bring up some younger people and passed on some knowledge and, you know, all that type of thing. And I said, well, if, if that, you know, you know, knowing that now, are there other experiences, other ways in your life that you could still, because, you know, you're a young guy, you know, you're in your early 60s, you've got a wealth of knowledge and experience. Mm. Are there other opportunities in your life that you could still have a similar experience and he said um he said you know what actually a few weeks ago the 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 chaps from the sailing club called me up and said would you be would you come and help with the youth team and i said well you know i'm probably a bit busy and you know i've got this to do and that to do and etc etc but now i thought now i reflect on it i'll give them a call back yeah because i could probably add quite a lot of value to that youth squad really and all of a sudden and this is not about money is it Wow. You know, and yes, we've got to have the financial position to be able to do that. But but often, but often these experiences can still be engineered or experienced with limited financial means. Yeah. So what was the moment, and can you remember the moment when you first discovered life planning? And what, what was that like? What, did, what were you thinking? Uh, and what were the motivations that suddenly were there for you? I, I think this came about over a long period of time. I don't think it was a kind of, you know, hit by lightning scenario. I, I remember that, you know, I started this business when I was in, on, a, on a YTS scheme when I was 16. You know, uh, I left home, um, ended up in an insurance brokerage doing clerical work, um, living in a shared bedroom with a 70-year-old bloke. And, you know, it was, it was a pretty tough time. And I just got a job in an insurance brokerage and I was doing filing. Um, and then I went through a myriad of different things. And I actually left that firm three or four times. And every time I went back, I got re-employed in a different role. But when I came back from a bit of traveling when I was 21, and, uh, uh, you know, I'd done the kind of gap year thing, except that you know, I didn't have a gap from anything to have, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I just, just went abroad for a while. Um, and I came back, uh, and Martin, my old boss, uh, who's still running his business now, fantastic fella, he gave me a job in financial advising. So this was 1991. So this was kind of, we were, in, we were regulated by the Insurance Brokers Registration Council, the IBRC. Yeah. This was before, this was kind of in the days of Loutro and I think it was PIA. Um, FIMBRA. FIMBRA and all this type of thing. <laughs> and, and, you know, I introduced, I said, look, I think we should have a fact find. You know, <laughs> you know I, I was right. You know, I've always been quite cutting edge. Um, <laughs> and, I, you know, I... So, so I started doing it, and then very quickly I, re I realized that actually insurance salesmen or financial advisors had a bit of a reputation. And I wanted to counter that, and I thought, okay, well, how do I counter that? And I, Martin had given me 24 back issues of Money Management magazine to read. So that was my training, you know. Nice. You know, and a great magazine, actually. You could learn a lot from it. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, the, the CII were running some um, uh, a financial planning certificate and it was only two papers and it was totally voluntary. There was no compulsory about it. So I took it um, and I think I passed it, you know, et cetera. And I thought, right, I'm qualified. You know, I've got an O-level in yeah. planning. I'm right, I'm out there. Um, and I kept doing that, to be honest. I kept qualifying myself. But because I, I had a bit of a 
there was a bit of a thing going on in my own head that I, I wasn't worthy of doing this job. Everyone thought I was a you know insurance salesman, and I tried to go. No, if I have lots of qualifications, you know, all my pals have gone to university and got degrees and things. If I got a qualification, then I'm I can stand amongst you know my peers, all type of thing. Yeah. Um, little did I realize that it didn't really help, to be honest. <laughs> all the qualifications in the world were very good for your technical knowledge, but you know, with all honesty, it didn't change the the, the view of the industry. Um, I know we like to call it profession, but it, it's still called industry. So um, the good thing of that is that I got qualified very early on. So I got the, I got the, um, I can't remember what it was called, but I was a, um, I, I'd got right up to the, you know, the chartered status many yeah. years before, or the the qualifications available to to get that designation way way early. So yeah. you know, in my twenties. Um, so at least I never had that hurdle. And then um, just a, a bit of a slightly long story, but when I was thirty, I had one of those kind of years where. Um, you know, my relationship broke up, you know, we kind of moved out of the house and then I got on the motorbike and went to do some, ride my motorbike in a race around the Nürburgring with a few pals <laughs> and, then, and a guy wiped me out in a BMW on the way there and then I was dead at scene and I lost my spleen and was in hospital for a long time and they left, anyway, my pals rode back and um, they'd left me some magazines and I kind of went, uh, you know, to read and one of them was a magazine called Yachting Monthly um, and I looked at that and I thought, well, that looks quite fun, shall I do that for a living? Um, so really, very quickly, I changed yeah. my life plan, and I kind of had George's George's second question. You know, if you knew you were going to die in the next five to ten years, what would you do with your life? Well, I kind of had that delivered. I mean, right. I wasn't dead, but I had been dead a few hours earlier, and then I was in intensive care for a couple of weeks in Belgium, and I was pretty poorly. And I just suddenly re reviewed the year, I suppose, and went. Do you know what? I don't have anything to stay for really any longer in that, in that because my relationships were gone. And, and uh, you know, the, uh, so why am I working so hard? I'm 30 years of age, you know, shall I go and do something else? And so I did. Mm. The next couple of years I retrained and I became a yachtsman and I qualified professional guy, etc. Um, and I, and I, and I sailed boats for the next oh, six or seven years. You've been um, a lifeboatman as well, haven't you? Yeah, I was a lifeboatman for 10 years. Um, so I moved from Birmingham, where I was, down to the south coast, to be closer to the sea, uh, volunteered on the lifeboat service for, as I say, for 10 years. That was a great experience. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, uh, it, was, it was good. So, you know, all in all, it was, um, uh, yeah, it was, it, was a, you know, it was a good experience, really. I, I kind of had a bit of a life planning, and then... When I came back to the business, uh, which was what happened as I met my wife now, Kathy, on a boat. I was teaching sailing um, one weekend and um, uh, we met and then all of a sudden we kind of you know, settled down. She moved down from London. We got together um, uh, and I needed to get a proper job again. Yeah, yeah. Poncing yeah. <laughs> around on yachts or um, such like is not the... Um, <laughs> There's a limit. There's a limit, isn't there? <laughs> um, so then, uh, then I, yeah, I, then in essence, kind of went, okay, if I'm going to set up my business in the right way, what would I think an ideal financial planning practice would look like? And I thought, you know, not everyone has been as lucky as me <laughs> in actually getting that question. To, yeah. so, so being able to go, okay, so financial planning is really key but actually making sure that you do the stuff. I mean, the idea now that I would have never done the yachting would be horrible to me. I mean, yeah, it makes yeah. me part of who I am. 10 years on the lifeboat makes me part of who I am. I mean, all our histories make us who we are. 
Um, but I wouldn't have done it unless I'd had that accident. And we often yeah. hear this, don't we, about mm. transitions, you know, when people get divorced or they lose their job or, or what have you, they make a huge transition to something new. And you kind of go, ah, it's, are some people living a life of slightly quiet desperation that they, they, they're so, they're, they tend to so many other people in their lives that they don't actually nourish themselves? Yeah, yeah. Themselves what they need. Yeah. There's a lovely analogy that, um, that is used in the life planning world quite often, which is, you know, when, when you get on the airplane and the air hostesses or the cabin crew are giving us the, um, the safety briefing, they say, you know, if the, oxygen, the cabin loses air pressure and the oxygen masks drop from the, from the ceiling, place the oxygen mask on yourself first before yeah. you attend to anyone else. And lovely, sadly, human beings actually do care an awful lot about everyone else. And they don't actually sometimes nourish themselves first. And I often think if we can nourish ourselves first and live our true fulfilled lives, we then, we then can then illustrate to everyone else that we can help them because we've looked after ourselves so well. Yeah, yeah, that's, gr that's great. And indeed, you do help them. I think looking at your website, um, there's quite a lot of video on there. Um, it's one of my little hobby horses. Um, one of the best websites I ever saw of a financial advisor was Brian Hill and where he has lots of videos of clients saying about the experience of working. And you've got some great stuff on your, on your site. Um, and you're, you're not a stranger to, to technology as well. I'm, I'm quite interested in the way you promote your business as well. Yeah, there's, there's MFP. Um, and you do what you do, but you've also got this sort of separate branding as well, the Retirement Cafe, which I think is so clever. It has this wonderful blend of live events and technology, namely podcasting. Uh, just, just tell us how that all came, came to be. So, I, I, again, I suppose part of the frustration of... Um, uh, if, you, if we look about how people get leads, how people get new inquirers, you know, we've got to make ourselves, we've got to make the population aware of what you do. That's the first thing to do. You know, I often talk about Ferrari makes everyone aware who they are, yeah. but it doesn't mean everyone can consume them. We know who Ferrari are. They're in the Formula One. They have a very nice cars and they have some showrooms dotted around in some, you know, affluent areas. But yeah. you know, so we all know about Ferrari, but we can't all buy one. But we might aspire to them. So the first thing to do with any business is to make people aware of what you do. And then there's a certain deselection process going on, isn't there, with yeah. Ferrari? Um, you know, some people, you know, I know that I, you know, I, I can't afford a Ferrari. My brother has two. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're relatively uh, unexpensive in Ferrari terms. They're old. They're, old. they're, very old. <laughs> they're classic cars rather than, you know, some crazy. But, but I can't even get one of those, you know. But, but it's... Um, so we're just trying to, we, we need to make people aware of what we do. And then they, we need to get them to go, actually, now I'm aware of them. When I look at them, they go, their website goes, ah, actually, they can serve my, they can sort my problem out. They look like they can serve people like me. Um, yeah. Now, so the Retirement Cafe um, process was really about creating greater awareness of who we are. But then also, so a bit like letting everyone know who our brand is, but also realizing that not everyone was going to be um, our customer. So huge awareness, and then customers will then select us off the back of that. Yeah. So if I have 100 people in a room, 
maybe two or three will go, do you know what? This is the right firm for me. And it's been a buildup of lots of stuff. You, you may remember that I did a book called Ready, Steady, Retire yeah. in conjunction with Martin Bamford in conjunction with his, um, his boom documentary about retiring. You know, we just serve the retired community. It's a, Mudderford Christchurch has got a huge amount of retirees. Yes. Um, we've gone fish, fishing where the fish are. You know, um, you know, if I if I want to catch, I don't know, um, I don't know, uh, what do I? I'm not a fisherman, so. Um, but if I want to, I want to catch tuna. I don't go into Christchurch Bay. <laughs> sure. I need to go somewhere else. But yeah. I know there's a lot of retirees in Mudderford and Christchurch. Therefore, if I have a business that serves them, brilliant. So then create a big awareness with lots of events, and then also I wanted to give back a little bit. I wanted to provide events that everyone could access you know, it's for free we'd pay for it um but they get knowledge off the back of it so it all economic means i mean i get a little frustrated that our business because of what we have to charge um there's a huge amount of people who don't get access to advice yeah um yeah. and miss out you know i helped a, i helped a lawyer the other day get some um, continuing health care for her sick brother now, unless she had come to see me, she would have never known that she was eligible for it and wouldn't have gone and pushed the social services on, hold on, can I, can I try and claim this? And they went, no, initially. And then eventually they said, yes, actually, you can. Yeah. Now, that's, so that's the reserve of, in essence, the affluence again, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas if we put on these free events and they're available to everybody in the community, then they can all come and get some knowledge. Now, they maybe not get direct one-to-one -one advice, but at least we're empowering them with knowledge and we're giving them more stuff and we help them make better decisions in their retirement. And some people will have more expensive questions and more in-depth stuff and then they'll come off the back of that, they'll come and see us. Yeah, yeah. And that's a completely separate website, The Retirement Cafe. Um, and I see it's got the events on there, it's got your podcast. Really interested in the podcast, still hardly any financial advisors in the UK doing, doing them. Uh, but those who are doing them... Um, find it fairly jaw-dropping. Now, yours is still relatively new, isn't it? What sort of, what sort of uh, numbers have you seen so far? So I think we're on, you know, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you. The guys would be able to, in the office would be able to tell you. I think we're on about number 10 or 11 yeah. kind of downloads so far. Yeah. Um, we've had over 1,000 people download. Well. You know, um, uh, yeah, so, and, and huge conversation. Some people have said, some people have feed, a lot of existing clients, a lot of people have feed, fed back that they, you know, oh, are you still going to do the live events? Yes, we are. But, you know, but again, they cost and there's time challenges around that. So we're just going to keep mixing and matching. And the beauty about the podcast is, well, I mean, it does take quite a lot of, a relative amount of time. Um, and we've outsourced quite a lot of stuff. But in fact, the interviewing is probably the easy bit. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but the, so the conversations are great. And then, but again, it's just about providing more awareness of the topics that retirees need to be taking into account yeah i love the style of yours as well it's like a it's like a cozy fire chat fireside chat with justin it's got a very <laughs> nice style good. to it good i re really like it uh so so you've outsourced that el elsewhere to but you just do the recording yeah so well I, I we do probably a little bit more than that the team here so um martin bamford from his bamford media site is helping us do quite a lot um uh, but we do the recording and then we do the show notes off the back of it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And then we, then we, we get it across to Martin. He kind of tidies it up for us. And, um, and, 
puts it on puts it on the right platforms, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and helps us with our promotion and marketing. But we've okay. got, a, you know, my wife Kathy is a she's a professional CIM marketeer, so she also has a bit of a, a real clue on how to do all the processing around what needs to be done to create awareness. Yeah, I said so I think I think the whole thing with the retirement cafe it just sits beautifully. Most, the vast majority of financial advisors, they have their business, they have their website, um, and the website with the best one in the world is often not much more than an online brochure. Um, but you've got this sort of branding within your brand, um, which is like a whole separate proposition called the Retirement Cafe. And I think works really, really well. Uh, and I think it, it could probably be not replicated, but modeled uh, quite easily elsewhere. Um, I didn't want to, um, I think what I didn't want to do was to come up, I think the general, you know, if we go through the buying process of a consumer, um, I thought to myself that, um, you know, it's like Pete Matthew, I suppose, meaningful money. Um, uh, if you think about, you know, if I just present MFP retirement podcasts, yeah, yeah, you think I'm flogging financial services or something, aren't they? Uh, and it's not about that. It's about creating this awareness and giving value. You yeah. know, um, coming back to the Gary Vaynerchuk and jab, 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 right hook. You know, let's just keep giving value. And eventually, if you keep delivering value, um, you could say Ferrari do the same thing. If they race a car around the track and lots of people enjoy watching that type of thing, then they're giving value, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think what you're also doing is you're, by wrapping it within the events as well, you're also creating community within a community. You're creating community around your brand, which uh, is, in, is incredibly powerful. It really is. And I think there's a real opportunity for me to move the Retirement Cafe into a bigger online platform within my kind of Facebook kind of world, et cetera, for, yeah. to create, create communication. Yeah. So, um, for retirees, as we know, huge, huge, you know, growing population and to give them lots of value. Yeah. Well, there's a fantastic tool to do that. And it, a lot of people feel, I mean, you can do that within Facebook, obviously. Facebook groups are almost the best thing on the internet right now, but it's still Mark Zuckerberg's ultimately. There's a great tool called Mighty Networks. Yes. Uh, which superb for creating community uh, in, in any area. And the community doesn't have to be particularly big either. There's this sort of feeling that your online groups and communities have to have thousands of people in. They really don't. Um, just, uh, so I think what you're, what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. So just looking forward, and let's talk about technology. Um, my Alexa device is talking to me down here as, as we're talking and reminding me of stuff. Um, so how do you see the future? If we were just to walk forward a few years and, and look back, what's the financial planning world going to look like then? Is there going to be much more technology? Is it all going to be robots doing it? What, what, what do you think it's going to look like? I think it's very exciting. And I think, um, I think so I'm taking a view, now whether I'm right or wrong, I don't know, but I'm taking a view that, I look at my business and I think, and I do a bit of coaching with other financial planners so about marketing strategies and, and, and business processes. And, you know, I was one of the first, well, we were the first firm in, uh, to, to get the British standard in financial planning, you know, with Michelle, etc. Yeah. Um, and I've understand how, I, I think, you know, I remember reading a book, it was called The Business of Financial Advice. You know, actually, what are the modules that you've got to slot into place to create a good financial planning firm? Um, and then I looked at it, and once I kind of, I suppose, got this jigsaw and went, okay, I've got to have an investment proposition here, I've got to have a cash flow proposition here, I've got to have a life planning proposition here, 
Um, I've got to have a you know update of you know actually how we process the business and a wrap platform here and all. Once I've got all those modules, that's it. And then I looked at that and went, well, oh god, what I'm really saying is I've kind of commoditized everything. I know my marketing kind of worked like that. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> okay, so that's a whole process that actually I could outsource to anybody, and maybe a computer could run. You know, we we run a master. We run a something called Infusionsoft, which does all our kind of Yep. You know, all our stuff and we've been running that for a number of years um, you know our client journey is just pops out all the time we're always amending it but it pops out all the time what's got to be done today this second that second for the new client meeting so everything's become very systemized mm. um, and then I'm like okay well if it's systemized and artificial intelligence coming on <laughs> um, isn't that gonna just isn't isn't Google or Amazon or what have you going to kind of go well we can do that because it's just a system Okay, all right, that's fairly scary. Um, uh, so I did some talks for the PFS last year on uh, the benefits of financial planning. And as a bit of fun, I asked Alexa, uh, uh, Alexa, what's the um, lifetime allowance? <laughs> well, the pension's lifetime allowance. And it told me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what's, yeah. the, uh, what's the ISA allowance this year? You know, uh, how much can I contribute this year? So once you start getting this feedback from this machine in the corner, <laughs> um, uh, I, um, I start to go, okay, well, so our knowledge is no longer the preserve of the financial planner. So we've got, we've been educated up to the roots that we've got to know all this stuff and examined and regurgitated and all the rest of it. And the only exam that actually still shows actually you implementing that work is a CFP, i.e. a certified financial planning ticket. Yeah. Actually, can you take the data and put it into there? But as we're coming onto this really clever stuff with open banking and it's all getting fed into our cash flow modeling, you kind of start to go, can't you? If I've got this open banking system into my platform and I've got all this cash flow, you know, if it's all just built, isn't it just going to model this cash flow for me? Yeah, yeah. And can I just talk to it and go, Alexa, can you tell me what happens if I, if I die early and my wife lives to 105? Alexa goes, yeah, no problem, because got, I've got all the information. Now, it's not there yet, but hold on. If they start to be able to do all this, what, where are we? Good question. <laughs> so, okay, well, let, let's just explore that one a little bit. So, um, clearly, there's always going to be a place for high-quality face-to-face advice. It might be quite expensive. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so, what do you think the characteristics of the the quality end of the market will will look like um, in a few years' time? So, um, I think that you I, I think the real preserve the real thing that Alexa is not going to be doing better do is to ask those questions uh, create the rapport deal with the people on the basis of the life planning stuff and once you deal if you deal with someone to the point of helping them learn French or fly a plane or have a truly fulfilled life yeah. helping people with whatever their stuff whatever the troubles are going on in their worlds you know, what is your current challenge? You know, what is it that's really going on? And if you've got a real close rapport with your client, they'll let you know. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm scared. My relationship with my child is going astray. You know, they're going off the walls. They're, 
the, the, the my wife has got severe back pain. They've got we can't get it get it for we can't find the right man. You know, there's so much stuff going on in people's lives. So to become a real trusted advisor and have someone who can help facilitate through that journey at any point in time to inspire, to educate, to just be a friend. Yeah. To be a trusted counsel. You know, if you provide all of that, now you're only going to be able to provide it to a limited amount of people. This is not mass market. I mean, you've only got so much time. But as a firm, if you're a bigger firm than me, you know, everyone can be replicated in this kind of model. And then you do all the other bits and you do all the other bits well and at relatively low cost. You know, a little bit more expensive, possibly, than they could get from the Robo Alexa platform, whatever's coming. Yeah. But they don't mind paying a little margin because they can sit across the table, see the whites of your eyes and go, do you know what, this guy does far more than run my money. So are we, are we do you think the profession is evolving into, it's not quite the words I'm looking for, but it's into a role more akin to life coaching um, than it is now? Yeah. And, you know, the, the beautiful, you know, I've always, um, you know, I've got a, you probably know, you know I think you are, you're part of the, the Facebook group. Um, I've got a thing called Justin King Coaching, JK Coaching. And I'm spending, you know, doing some of my work just coaching people. And, and the danger, the problem with the coaching I've always found is that, well, who are you to coach me? <laughs> you know, and you see people, you know, you can go and do a, I think you can do a Udemy course on life coaching now for about 10 quid. And then you get a certificate after 20 hours or what have you, or maybe it's 80 hours, I don't know. But, <laughs> and you call yourself a life coach. And it's like, okay, well, show me, how you, show me how you worked this stuff yourself before I start believing in you. Yeah. Um, so life coaches have a little bit of a bad rap, I think. I think the great land grab opportunity, though, for financial planners is I un we understand money. Now, to have a truly fulfilled life, what do we exchange money for? Coming right back to our early conversation, we exchange money for experiences. So if we can run your money and coach you to have a fantastic life and to deal with all the obstacles and challenges in your life and infuse and inspire, then, then this is just an amazing opportunity yeah, yeah. for advisors to have. And if you haven't got those skills and you've just got the financial planning, um, financial advising possibly you're going to be elected that's that's yeah um so i mean in our own online forum for, uh, life talk for financial advisors what is fascinating to see at the moment is quite a big influx of um younger advisors i know everyone says how are we going to get more youngsters into the profession well i from my angle i see no shortage of them uh, no. coming in but they all ask the same question uh, how do I build my business? They're all looking for help and advice. Um, what's the best way to market my business? Uh, should I be joining a network and, and this kind of stuff? So if uh, somebody came to see you, Justin, and, and said, look, I'm thinking of, of, of moving from becoming, say, a paraplanner uh, to having my own practice, what advice, what would you be suggesting they do on day one? Well, I suppose we've got an apprentice. So I've got a young man working as he started, um, Ryan, he started, uh, he's, he was on our Christmas special on the podcast. So if you want to listen to Ryan, um, um, uh, he's come from uh, the banking background. Right. So he was a branch manager at a bank, you know, 27, um, and just realized that, the, again, that where's the banking world going? You know, <laughs> is the traditional high street bank under threat? Yeah, quite possibly. Financial planning looks quite exciting. Yeah. 
Um, so what are we going to take him through? Well, he's learning. I mean, he, he's doing his apprentice qualifications, you know, through a CII approved scheme and we'll do all the qualifications, you know, over the next two years to get him up to a diploma level. But he's also, I, I want to teach him the, the, about how we do the business. Yeah. Because, the first, you know, no point being the greatest qualified advisor in the world sitting there in the corner with, with no one aware of you. You know, I always come back to I'm a great fan of a guy called Ryan Dyson. He has this conversation about dating. You know, and there's no point being the hottest guy in the world wanting a date but sitting in your bedroom in your underpants. <laughs> Quite. Okay. <laughs> you actually need to go out and be in the environment. You need to get out and talk to people, see the whites of the eyes, stand up on stage, let people know who you are, let, understand how to market because people want what we do. They've just got to believe that you're, they believe that you care enough for them to, to hire you. So it's understanding that, it's understanding the media, then it's understanding the processing of the business and where it's going. And, you know, we only work with, we work with 60 families currently. We probably, at the moment with our current staff, think we could probably deal with 80 to 100. That's not many. But if you scale that up, and actually you can make a re relatively good living just off that small amount of people and work very closely with them. Yeah. In, a, in a nice way and, and provides huge value to people. So I think I would just say to people, um, look at all the aspects of the business, um, but knowing that the one thing that no one's ever going to take away from you is your ability to create rapport and understanding and inspiration with a, with a human being, the hero in front of you. Yeah. And I would imagine they can get, well, training like that, certainly through the life planning uh, process as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, um, so I'm a trainer for the Kinder Institute now, and, and we see this every time we do a five-day course, we see the changes. Um, in I, one of the great things about social media is um, when the last day of the five-day program, quite a lot of people, they go out into that garden and those benches out in the garden there, um, and people are either filming them live. I think I might have even seen one of your videos actually comes yeah. to of it. Um, and there's advisors sitting there um, shell-shocked. They look shell-shocked. And they are seeing um, so much opportunity uh, in their own lives, let alone their clients' lives. Um, it's absolutely fascinating to watch. I've got some video. I haven't posted it anywhere yet from the last, the October one. And it's just, it's just mind-blowing, you know. And some really, I mean, top-quality advisors, you know, um, uh, Hugh Jones from Proposito was on, um, you know, and it's just like, wow, you know, these are really good firms who are just going, you know what, there's something more to this. Mm. Um, and you kind of, you, you, you future-proof your business by having these skills. You're not only that, you change the relationships you have with everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Not, yeah. Just, not just your, you know, your business, with everybody you have. You'll have deeper relationships with your spouses, your children, your family and friends. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, a, a key thing of this um, mastermind that we're running uh, this week is the challenge. And I'm asking every one of my guests to uh, set a small or a big challenge uh, for our viewers that could actually help them in their lives or in their, in their businesses. So what would your challenge be, Justin? I, um, I would challenge advisors to see how little they could speak in the first meeting they have with a client. Ask them why they're here and then shut up. 
Yeah. Maybe if there's more than one of you in the office, <laughs> have a competition. How many fewer words? And of course, what I'm trying to guess out here is it, the less words that you say, the more you will listen. And the more you listen, the more you will uncover. And when the client dries up, maybe just ask anything else. Is yeah. the more. And then again, you know, invariably leave a pregnant pause, leave a leave a silence, which which we all, you know, want to fill. Um, and, and find out when there's more. And if you deeply listen to a client, you'll find that they're going to have an experience that they probably haven't had anywhere else. Yeah. And if they walk away, even if they walk away and not hiring you because your fees are too expensive or you can't do what they want, they will have felt deeply listened to. And if that's their lasting memory of you, yeah, yeah, that will be huge for your business. Yeah. And uh, George Kinder, uh, we've been talking to him on this program as well. And uh, he said very often as a result of that, you will end up getting referrals after the first meeting. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Uh, which is um, And, you know, I've had feedback going just, you know, we always send an email out after the meeting, kind of, you know, just summarizing what we discussed and what we heard and what the priorities are. Um, uh, and, you know, I've had responses, you know, great to meet you. Um, what, a, what a holistic meeting. Yeah. Whatever that means. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know that wasn't just about the money, don't you? Yes, their words, it's how they felt. Yeah. Fantastic. Justin, that's a great, a great point to end on. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Um, you are one of the, the people in this world who I get very jealous when I see your pictures of your morning dog walks. Uh, down there down there on the beach it looks absolutely uh, superb thank you very much indeed for being with me um really appreciate your time thank you very much for your challenge for our viewers you can take up justin's challenge you'll be able to have the opportunity to join a private forum where you can uh, ask people questions get perhaps an accountability partner um, and report back on how you're getting on with the challenge so that's it for this episode thank you very much for everyone for watching and we'll see you in the next video thanks a lot